Welcome to a special edition of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. I'm joined in the studio. This is a fun one for you longtime listeners. It hasn't always started out this way. Why don't you say hello, Ken? Well, good, Chad. It's always good to be with you. It's so exciting to have you here. I remember more than a decade ago, we were on a, a, a car ride to the airport in Chicago, and you looked at me and you said, we should start a radio show. And this is kind of like that. I know. I think so. With your voice and my talent, we could really do well. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, what we're doing, because we're wrapping up season one, is we're taking some of our favorite episodes. And the first episode that we're profiling is with Marshall Goldsmith. You have a good history with him, don't you? Yes, I met Marshall when he was like 23 or 24 years old. He was a graduate student at UCLA, and I was working. Paul Hersey had started a California American University, and it was a guy up there who was supposed to teach a course, and he got sick, and he said, you mind if I send my best graduate student? He sent Marshall down, and he just blew everybody away, you know, and, and he became a buddy after that and kind of a friend and mentor. We mentor each other, and what I love about Marshall, he's a constant learner, you know, and he's also not afraid to step out there. Like a number of years ago, we're part of a learning group that we meet once a year, people in our field, and he said, I don't know how many years ago, I want to, I'm going to become the number one executive coach in the world. Mm. And now he's recognized as the number one executive coach in the world. So I love him. He'll set a goal and he'll go after it. You know, he's, he's something. And so, uh, but his book trigger and all the things he's done are just exciting because they're very practical, easy for you to understand. And you can go away and get some stuff that you can use. So yeah, so this episode, there's so many great memories there. This episode's really going to do a deep dive into, into triggers. And uh, when you think about Marshall and his body of work, and you know he's, he's created as a legacy program, the 100 Coaches, and we've actually had a couple of those 100 coaches be on, on the podcast so far. What do you think, you know, when you think about Marshall Goldsmith, uh, his legacy, it, it, it's quite, quite astounding. Well, I think his legacy is, is really sharing and, and helping other people become great. You know, he's not... You know, he says he wants to be the number one, but he'd also like to help other people become the best that they can be. And and he's and he's a constant learner. I mean, he gathers all these great people, you know, to be part of his hundred coaches. And they're not all coaches; a lot of them are CEOs and all that kind of thing. And they come together, and and people come back from the weekends and times with them, and say, "Wow, it's really exciting." Well, we're going to start the episode in just a few moments, but um, want to remind everybody, if you're listening to this, make sure you hit subscribe wherever you're listening. And we've, we're starting a new segment in Season 2 of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast called Ask Ken. And so whatever question that you want to ask Ken, just like I'm asking him now, whatever question you want to ask him, email that to us at podcast at kenblanchard.com, and hopefully your question will be uh, featured on an upcoming episode of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Any questions inbound for that, Ken? No, they can just fire them away. I love it. I love it. Well, with that, let's go right to the episode. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Gordon. Today, such an honor to be Welcome uh, our, our newest guest here to the podcast, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. At the recent Thinkers 50 ceremony in London, Marshall was recognized again as the world's number one leadership thinker and number one executive coach. His newest book, Triggers, is a number one New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, as well as an Amazon Best Business Book of the Year. Dr. Goldsmith is the author or editor of 35 books, which have sold more than 2 million copies. 
uh, and been translated in 30 languages and become bestsellers in 12 countries. His two other New York Times bestsellers are Mojo and one of my favorites, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. His PhD is from UCLA's Anderson School of Management. He teaches executive education at Dartmouth's Tuck School of Business. He's one of a select few executive advisors who've worked with more than 150 major CEOs and their management teams. He served on the board of the Peter Drucker Foundation for 10 years and has been a volunteer teacher for U.S. Army General generals, Navy admirals, Girl Scout executives, international and American Red Cross leaders. Um, but today, he's got some time to sit down and talk with us. Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Thank you very much. Very excited to be here. I'm a great fan of Ken Blanchard, so happy to be talking to you. So great to have you here. A lot of our listeners are are uh, training uh, leadership and development professionals in organizations. So there may not be many that fit in this category, but for the very few who may not be familiar, what led you early on on this unique path you've carved out for yourself? Well, I met Ken Blanchard and Paul Hersey when I was very young. They taught me all about situational leadership. I um, I was trying to follow them around to learn to do what they did a little bit. And then one day, uh, Paul Hersey got double booked and said, Marshall, can you do what I do? I said, Paul, I don't know. He said, look, I'm double booked. I need help. Can you do this? I said, I don't know. He said, I'll pay a thousand bucks for a day. That was 39 years ago. I was 28 years old, making $15,000 a year. You know what I said? Paul, sign me up, buddy. So I did this program. I was very successful. They were angry when I showed up, but then I got ranked first place. So they called Paul and said, send Marshall back. Paul said, do you want to do this again? That's how I got into executive education. Executive coaching also kind of by accident. I was uh, working with the CEO. He said, I got this kid, young, smart, dedicated, stubborn jerk. He said, it'd be worth a fortune to me if I could change that kid. And I said, you know, look, I like fortunes. Maybe I can help him. He said, I doubt it. I said, maybe I can help him. He said, I don't think so. That's when I came up with an idea. I said, I'll work with him for a year. If he gets better, pay me. If he doesn't get better, it's all free. He <laughs> said, sold. That's how I got into coaching long long before it was called coaching. In my coaching, ever since then, I don't get paid if my clients don't get better. Better's not judged by me or them. Better's judged by everyone around them. So that's how I got into coaching. Wow. My life is luck. <laughs> it's a well, opportunity. Uh, it, it's uh, sometimes it just comes up, and uh, you've obviously embraced it and had some great success. I. Uh, a big uh, a way to see that success is your book recommendations. So many of them, it reads like a who's who of the top leaders across the world that you work with. And my question for you is, why is executive coaching so valuable, even to the people at the very top of their game? Well, you know, it's interesting because one thing I'm proud of in my new book triggers 27 major CEOs endorse the book. What I'm proud of is 30 years ago, no CEO would admit to having a coach. They'd be ashamed to have a coach. Well, today, these 27 very important people say, you know, I have a coach and it's okay. The president of the World Bank, the CEO of the year in the United States, number three grand leader in the world, um, winner of the Presidential Medal of Freedom, you know, CEO of Pfizer and Best Buy. These are great people. And they're all saying it's okay. I think that's a very positive, positive change. And why is it so important for them in many ways? it's more challenging for them to achieve mm. positive lasting change. Why? Every time you get promoted, people laugh at your jokes. They act like your comments are wise. And they pretend you're even prettier or handsome. We feel better and better about ourselves, and it gets harder and harder to hear negative feedback because we all accept feedback from others that's consistent with the way we see ourselves. We reject or deny feedback that's inconsistent. The second variable is every time you get promoted, get more power, it gets harder for others to tell us the truth. This isn't a theory. It's a well-documented fact. It's hard to tell the truth. Given the fact it's hard for somebody to tell you the truth, it's hard for you to hear the truth. You can see why this is so important. 
important for people at the top. The other thing is, at the top, we all fall into something called the superstition trap. I behave this way. I am very successful. I must be very successful because I behave this way. Wrong. Everyone I coach behaves the way they behave, and they're all successful because they do many things right, and in spite of doing a few things that are dumb. And I've never mm-hmm. met anyone who's so wonderful. We had nothing on that in spite of list. All mm-hmm. got a little bit there. And so that's why this is so important for those, those great people I work with at the top of major organizations. It has to be really difficult at times because, as you said, they, they, they are uh, the, really the bell of the ball every time they walk into any room. So you've got, you have some pretty tough conversations at times. Well, <laughs> the new CEO of Walmart, Doug, said, he said, my first feedback session with Marshall uh, made a, a root canal feel like a positive experience. So, yeah, it's not easy <laughs> for people at this level to hear the truth. And they're not used to it. And most of them will tell you the first time they have a feedback session with me, it's, it's not the most happy experience of their lives. On the other hand, so far, nobody's died, and they all got better. Now, all those 27 people, you know, they got better. I got paid, and life is good. I love it. I love it. Well, previous books that I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, what I, how I feel, it really it talks about bringing out and finding your best you. Um, I think uh, what got you here won't get you there is just a must read for everybody. And Triggers absolutely is, is such a fun read as well. So let's dive into the newest book. What are Triggers and why is this important now? Well, you know, my theory is we all have a good idea of this person that we want to become. If I ask any of uh, the people, People I work with, who is the idea? They would describe this perfect person in great physical condition, wonderful friend and family member, great husband, wife, father, uh, mother. Uh, that's a nice theory. In reality, employee engagement is near an all-time low. Depression is near an all-time high. Obesity is near an all-time high. The gym is empty in February. What happens? Mm. What happens between this person we want to become, the person we do become? Well, as we journey through life, we're constantly bombarded by triggers. What is a trigger? Trigger is any stimulus that may impact our behavior. could be a sight, a sound, a word, a smell, a person. While sometimes these triggers push us toward becoming the person we want to be, in most cases they push us away from becoming this person that we want to be. And what I talk about in my book is how to look at our environment, realize how we are creating the world, and at the same time, the world is creating us. Hmm. So digging into triggers and understanding that there are these, these, these things that set you off in certain ways, how can people identify the triggers? Well, you know, I think it's very good as you go through life to start monitoring your behavior and realize, okay, when did I go off my diet? Hmm. When did I drink too much? When did I act like an ass? And then start realizing, okay, what was it in the environment that led to that? For example, my wife Lyda and I, one time we went out with this couple and we noticed at the end of the night we'd made kind of a lot of nasty comments about people. And some of these are our good mm. friends. Mm. And we normally don't do that. And what we realized is the people we were out with just tend to have a habit of making these sarcastic comments about everyone and talking about what jerks they are. And it's almost contagious. Yeah. And what we decided is, you know, that's not good. We wouldn't want people going out to dinner making fun of us. Why are we doing that? Well, we decided that, you know, I'm not here to judge others, but that's not the person I wanted to be. Maybe I'm better off not hanging around with those people because they just bring out a a side of me that's not the me that I want to be. So that's an example of learning how to look in that environment and say, what puts me in the wrong direction? If you want to quit drinking, don't hang around on bars. 
So if I understand this correctly, if I'm getting the gist, it's it's understanding. It's, it is almost as if you'd have a like a, a warning bell coming off as, as maybe even you're starting a bad behavior or so you can stop that as you go. Or is it is it as you said right there, just, you know, make the, the steps necessary so you're not putting yourself in a situation where you're you're having one of those bad. Well, behaviors. I think it's important to study our behavior so we can plan in advance. So what happens is if you begin to understand how triggers impact your behavior, you can anticipate things that could go wrong. Then you can avoid negative triggers if at all possible. If you cannot avoid the negative trigger, learn to adjust. Let me give you an example. It kind of summarizes to me the key point of the book. Okay. In my class at Dartmouth Tuck School, I'm a professor of management practice there. So in my class at Dartmouth, I'm teaching and um, I teach people don't win too much. I give a funny story about, you know, you have a hard day at work, hard day, you come home, your husband, wife, or partner's there, the other person says, I had such a hard day, such a tough day, and we say, you had a hard day, you had a hard day, do you have any idea what I had to put up with today? (laughs) We're so competitive, we have to prove we're more miserable than people we live with. I give that example in my class at Dartmouth, this young guy in the back raised his hand, he says, I did that last week. So I said, what happened? He said, my wife looked at me and said, honey, you just think you had a hard day. It's not over. Oh. <laughs> I got an email in my book, Triggers, about three or four years ago. It's in a book. A young man sent me an email. And he said, I want to send you an email today and just say thank you. Hmm. He said, yesterday my wife called and was having a terrible day, and I was just getting ready to point out that her problems pale in significance to my own. I was under a lot of pressure, and all of a sudden I started breathing. I realized this is my wife. This is not the enemy. I said, I love you. Thank you for everything you've done for the family. He said, I went home, I spent $25, I bought some flowers, I gave her the flowers, and I said, I love you. He said, it was the best $25 I've ever spent. Thank you mm. much. Well, to me, that's the whole point of the book. Normally what happens in life, there is a trigger. Trigger leads to an impulse, the impulse leads to behavior. There will always be triggers. The idea that there is a trigger, become aware of what's going on. After becoming aware, realize I have a choice. And if we can have that behavior driven by a choice, not an impulse. So many great areas that we could focus on this book. We could we could talk uh, um, for hours, I'm sure, uh, with all of your expertise. We're going to keep this under 30 minutes. Uh, one of the best takeaways that I found in the book, and I'd love to hear more from you about that, is your concept of the daily question. So let's talk about that. How would one put that practice into action? Well, I'm now going to share something with your listeners. It takes three minutes. It costs and can help them get better at almost anything. Now, people are usually skeptical, thinking three minutes a day costs nothing to help me get better at almost anything. Well, that sounds too good to be true. <laughs> Half the people start doing this quit within two weeks. And they do not quit because it does not work. They quit because it does work. So what I'm going to teach you next is real easy to understand. Take my word for it. It's real hard to do. Here's how it works. You get out an Excel spreadsheet. On one column, you write down a series of questions that represent what's most important in your life, friends, family, coworkers health seven boxes across one for every day of the week monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday every question has to be answered with a yes or no or a number fill it out every day at the end of the week that excel spreadsheet give you a report card i will warn your listeners in advance the report card at the end of the week may not be quite as beautiful as that corporate values plaque you got stuck up on the wall i've been doing this for years when you do this every day you know what you quickly learn life is real easy to talk. Life is real hard to live. 
I pay a woman to call me on the phone every day. Every day she just listens to me read questions I wrote and provide answers I wrote every day. Somebody said, why do you pay a woman to call you on the phone every day? Don't you know the theory about how to change behavior? I wrote the theory about how to change behavior. <laughs> pay a woman to call me every day because my name is Marshall Goldsmith. I'm the world's leading executive coach. I pay a woman to call me on the phone every day. She just listens to me read questions I wrote and provide answers I wrote every day. Why do I pay her to do this? Too cowardly to do this by myself and too undisciplined. I need wow. help. And it's okay. Wow. Well, the more we get in life of admitting we all need structure, direction, and help, and it's okay, the more likely we are to get better. Get over this macho, I can do it on my own nonsense. By the way, I always, when my classes, I say, who needs to be a better listener? So some kind got a blustery guy raises and say, how many years have you been needing to be a better listener? I'll say 40. <laughs> say, raise your right hand or repeat after me. My name is Joe. I need to be a better listener. I'm not fixed this by myself in 40 years. Who am I kidding? I'm not going to fix this by myself in the future. I need help. It's okay. Well, again, once we get over that macho, I can do it on my own willpower nonsense. Life is a whole lot better. We all need help, and it's okay. This daily question thing is a fantastic idea. For example, one of my questions, how many times yesterday did you try to prove you were right when it wasn't worth mm. it? Well, I've almost never got a zero my whole life. <laughs> kind of hard for that old professor not to be right all the time. Yeah. How many angry or destructive comments did you make? Did you say to something nice for your wife, your son, your daughter, your grandkids? Just a bunch of questions that I write. Well, you want to get something done? Ask yourself, what am I willing to do today? So we go through, and the book really shares uh, a, a really, it's a very step-by-step -step guide for how they would be able to create their own daily questions. You just shared with, with us your daily questions. Well, Is well, this, if you'd like all mine, send me an email, marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com, and just write da yeah, personal daily questions. I'll send you all my questions and an article about the process. I love that. I love that. Now, is this something, would you recommend, uh, because you're using someone, you're paying someone to do this, is this something that is going to work better if, if we uh, we buddy up on this? Huh. Well, let me just speak for myself. If you can do this on your own, you're a better person than I am. Huh. And you might be. <laughs> <laughs> if you are, good. So what, what sort of takeaways, what, what are you going to see? What's gonna, some of the improvements going to happen if people take this challenge and say, you know what, for the next 30 days, I'm going to take Marshall's challenge. I'm going to do these daily questions. I'm going to connect with an accountability buddy. We're going to re-question each other. What sort of uh, impact? Are, are, are some of these questions going to peel off and be replaced? Or are these, you know, are your five or six questions, are they always there? Well, I've got six questions I recommend for everybody. These are called active questions. And I learned this from my daughter, Kelly. Kelly got a PhD at Yale. She's a professor at the Catholic School of Northwestern, and she told me the value of asking active questions. A passive question is, do you have clear goals? An active question is, do you do your best to set goals? They all start with, do you do your did you do your best to? Here are my first six questions every day. Did I do my best to set clear goals? Number two, did I do my best to make progress toward goal achievement? Number three, did I do my best to find meaning? Number four, did I do my best to be happy? Number five, did I do my best to build positive relationships? And number six, did I do my best to be fully engaged? Well, every day I try to ask myself these six active questions. And 
just asking yourself these six questions every day, and I evaluate it on a one to ten scale, the results are amazing. By the way, mm. if any of your listeners would like to participate in our research, send me an email, marshall at marshallwellsmith.com. Write six questions, study. I'll sign them up for it. I'll send them an email every day for 10 days, and they get tested. So far, we've done this with over 4,000 people in our last study. 46% of the people 10 days later say I'm better at everything. 75% said I got better at least four out of six. 94% said I got better at something. 6% said no change, and less than 1% said things got worse. Why? Every day, these questions get me to focus not on what I cannot change. Every day, they get me to focus on what I can change. What's the one thing that I can change? Did I do my best? Did I do my best? Let me describe the hardest question you can test yourself with every day. Okay. It has okay. four qualities. Number one, you write the question. You might say, why is that hard? You can't blame the idiot that wrote the question. <laughs> Number two, you know the answer. Why is that hard? You can't say you don't know how to do it. Number three, you know it's important. You can't yeah. say it's trivial. And number four, all you have to do to make a high score is try. Mm. Why is that so hard? Nobody to blame. If I wrote the question, I know the answer, I know it's important, I didn't even try, whose fault would that be? Yeah. Well, pretty much every day I fail at least one question that I did write the question. I do know the answer, I know it's important, I didn't even try. Why is it hard? It's just facing that reality every day. That there's often a big gap between that person that we say we want to be and that guy that shows up every day. I'll be back with the rest of the interview in just a moment, but I want to share a unique offer with you. In December, the revised edition of Leading at a Higher Level by Ken Blanchard and the founding associates and consulting partners of the Ken Blanchard Companies will be released. How would you like to receive a free copy of the new book? All you have to do is subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it and write a review. Then just send an email to podcast at kenblanchard.com with leader chat in the subject line. And in the body of the email, write your information and the date of the review. At the end of December, we'll select five lucky winners who receive a signed copy of Leading at a Higher Level. You know, you, everything you talk about, it, it, there's a structure to it. And I think, you know, we all, I, I hope, I really believe this, and Ken believes it too, we all want to be magnificent. We all want to excel and achieve. But is it structure that holds us back, you think? I think we often need structure. And I think what holds us back is our belief that we don't. Mm. That we often need help. We often need direction. Um, so a great book called The Checklist Manifesto, published by Dr. Kul Gwandi. If a nurse asks the doctor a series of very simple questions from a checklist before the surgery, odds on unneeded infection plummet and the death rate because unnecessary infections cut by two-thirds. Huge majority of hospitals around the world don't let the nurse ask the doctor the questions. Why? Ego. Mm. They're ashamed. Ashamed. According to Dr. Gawande, more people have died because the egos of surgeons than died in the Vietnam War, the Afghan War, and the Iraqi War combined. By the way, very few people would pay somebody to do what I do. Why? Yeah. They'd be ashamed, embarrassed. <laughs> They'd be embarrassed. What a loser. You have to have some woman call you on the phone every day. Can't you do this by yourself? No, not really. Once you get over that shame and embarrassment factor and realize, hey, we're all just humans, life is a lot better. I love that. I, you know, I thinking about our listeners here, and it's as I said earlier, primarily made up of people and the learning and talent development function in their organization. So, 
you think about what are what are some of the natural connections between what you cover in your latest book triggers and what they might be trying to achieve in their organizations? One of the great uh, myths of all education, training, and development is if people understand, they will do. I wrote a study called Leadership as a Contact Sport, 86,000 participants from eight, eight, you know, from eight major companies all around the world, and uh, I measured, did people do what I teach and did they get better? Well, people did the stuff, got better, and I guess the good news is people did nothing, didn't get worse. Well, if you look at my research, and you just send me an email, I'll send you a copy of it. The research is incredibly compelling. can't argue with it. It's 86,000 people. Why didn't yeah. people do what I teach? Well, the answer had nothing to do with ethics, values, or integrity. I'm sure they're good people. They're smart people. The reason people don't do what I teach has to do with the dream. It's a dream I've had for years, and all those training and development people, all those leaders you work with had the same dream, and so do you. dream sounds like this. I'm incredibly busy right now. <laughs> Given pressures of work and home and new technology that follows me everywhere in emails and voicemails and global competition, I, I feel about as busy as I ever have. Sometimes I feel overcommitted. You know, I don't tell others this, but every now and again, my life's just a little bit out of control. But you know, I'm working on some very unique challenges right now. And I think the worst of this is going to be over in about four or five months. And after that, I'm going to take two or three weeks and get organized and spend some time with the family. And I'm going to begin my new healthy life program and everything's going to be different and it, and it won't be crazy anymore. Well, how many of us have ever had a dream that vaguely resembles that dream? Yeah. How many years we've been having the same dream? What I tell people is there's not going to be any two or three weeks. If you want to do something different, you know when you need to start? Now. I try to keep all my stuff very positive and simple and focused because my theory is if I don't, people won't do it. Not because right. they're mean or stupid or bad, because they're busy. And for all those good training and development professionals listening, including me, we, we get lost. We get lost on the assumption that we teach people something and it works, that they're going to do it. Not really. There's a big difference between I know what to do and I do it. That's a great message, and, and we're, we're getting ready to wrap up here, and I really so appreciate your time uh, joining us here on the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Marshall Goldsmith, so appreciate your time. I, I'd really like to, as we wrap up, uh, kind of give you an opportunity for kind of one more piece of final wisdom. So our listeners today, what would you hope they take away from our conversation? Well, you know, my suggestion is look in the mirror. Ask yourself a question. Who is you that you want to be? Write down a series of questions that represent that you. Did you exercise? Did you say nice things to people? Whatever it is for you, it's you. You get to write your own questions. Then every day, challenge yourself on how did your behavior actually align with that? How does your behavior connect with those values that you say you have? And then probably realize there are areas where you do need coaching, you do need help, and, and get over that guilt and shame about it and realize it's okay. It's okay. And if you could have done it by yourself, you probably would. You're a good person. You're not a bad person. None of the people I coach are bad people. They're wonderful people. It's okay. And then get the help you need and then get the help, get the structure you need to become closer to the person you're going to be and realize life is a journey. You're never going to get, quote, there and be this perfect person. The idea is behind everything I do is just try to help you have a little better life and get a little closer to that person you want to be. 
as I've grown older, uh, my level of aspiration has gone down and down and down. My level of impact has gone up and up and up. I quit worrying about what I'm not going to change and focus on what I am going to change. And in terms of this podcast, if anybody listening sends me an email and say, you know what, based on this, my life is a little better, I'm declaring victory here. Yeah. That's good enough for me. I love that. Thank you. And thank you so much. I, we've had a chance to talk a couple times in the last uh, in the last month or so. And I know you've got this very exciting project coming up. Please tell our listeners about what what what's moved you to take some some people, some very fortunate people under your wing. Well, you know, what's happened is um, I was a coach of a CEO of a furniture company called Herman Miller, mm-hmm. Ryan Walker. And I interviewed his key stakeholders. One of them was a nice woman named Aisha Bursell. She's a designer of furniture, and she's from Turkey. And we became good friends maybe 20 years ago. And she wrote a book called Design the Life That You Love, and I went to a program she did. And part of the program, she said, write down your heroes. And, you know, two of my heroes were Ken Blanchard and Paul Hersey. And then she said, why are they your heroes? And then I wrote, well, they were all teachers, and they all taught me so much. And then I realized... None of them ever charged me anything. They all did it for free. And then she said, well, cross out their name and write in your name, which I did. And then she said, why don't you be more like them? Mm. And I decided that I'm going to basically adopt 15 people in our field, teachers, coaches, whatever. I'm going to teach them everything I know. It's all free. Mm. Mm. Um, Unlimited access to me, mentoring as much as I can. And the only payback is uh, when they're old like I am, they do the same thing. And I'm very excited about this project. I already had a thousand applicants, uh, and I think you know probably get ten, twenty thousand people apply. And really looking forward to helping some great people. And then also we're going to be adopting some future leaders too, with the same idea that it's no charge. Just give them everything they know, and just try to help them have a little bit better life. And then the payback, though, is when they get older, they have to do the same thing. It's amazing. It's amazing to think uh, with what you're doing and, and creating and enhancing the, the legacy, but uh, the opportunity to exponentially give back. Well, thank you. That's the idea. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I know uh, you've, you've mentioned your email address a couple times. Is there a way for our, our listeners to, to find you online anywhere? Yeah, I LinkedIn. I have 380,000 followers. So, you know, happy to have you be a follower on LinkedIn or if you'd like to be to be a connection. And right there is anybody who wants to be a connection with me is fine. So just ask to be a connection, follower, LinkedIn, or, you know, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, pretty much everything. And again, you've got my email address, Marshall with two L's at MarshallGoldsmith.com. Oh, my website, www.MarshallGoldsmith.com. I give everything away, all my material you can copy, share, download, duplicate, use in church, charity, nonprofit, use any way you wish. And I'm happy to just give it away to anybody that wants to use it. I, I know that giving spirit. I was fortunate enough in my graduate school program to have you as one of our uh, professors, and it, uh, your message during our time together has had lasting impact on me. So, And I know it will for our listeners who are there today. So thank you again, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. Thank you so much for, for being a part of uh, our, pod, our podcast. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you asking me. Thank you as well for listening today. If you enjoyed this interview and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Blanchard Leader Chat. That's Leader Chat, 
all one word. The best way you can help us grow is feedback. As Ken likes to say, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review so we can continue to bring these important messages to you and also grow and learn from what you share. This podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Thanks again for our guest for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Hi, I'm Ken Blanchard. I'm just so thrilled you got a chance to listen to my friend and colleague, Marshall Goldsmith. He's absolutely the best. And uh, I got three things from his session. First of all, that we're not perfect, none of us. We all have some things that we ought to work on to make us even better uh, in terms of who we are. The second thing is we got to decide what we're going to work on. You know, when other people tell you what you need to work on, most people don't listen. And the third thing that's really powerful, he said, once you decide what you want to work on and improve, you need to find a partner that can help you. Because, you know, I've often thought, why don't New Year's resolutions work? Because all the data is, you know, people make all kinds of resolutions. And by the end of January, you know, 85 or 90 percent of them are completely forgotten. And the reason is that when you announce a New Year's resolution, everybody that's important in your life laughs and says, I'll believe it when I see it. And then they go to a delegating leadership style. Uh, and if you could handle a delegating leadership style, uh, you it wouldn't be a resolution. You'd go ahead and do it. And so the reality is, in most of the things that you want to improve, you're probably going to need help. I wrote a book called uh, Fit at Last, where I really decided to get myself healthy. And I got a wonderful colleague who used to be at West Point as the head of uh, training there and all, as my uh, colleague and working with me, analyzing all the different parts of, of uh, health and getting me the proper help that I needed and so uh, I think Marshall is really on to something because we are all overloaded. We're triggered, you know, by so many things. And we got to decide what are we going to work on uh, and then where are we going to get the help. Mm-hmm.